0: Hi everyone. You want to come up? Um, Jamie, how are you doing?
1: Hiya, Katrina. How are you?
0: Good, good.
1: You get, uh, I, I heard the end of the, the chat yesterday. Um, I had to fill in. And myself with the rest of it they went on for quite a while actually after I had to go
0: oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, went, we went for a little bit yeah I mean it was yeah. like a very broad discussion
1: it was but um... jo, one thing I thought was hilarious was um do you remember it was a uh, uh, was it last week or something and um you know, I'd I'd only just have to talk to you guys a couple of times and uh in the room with Dennis we actually had talked about the the base pairs for the genes and um we totally talked about the colexal lizard and the amount of base pairs in a tree and it all came up yesterday in the talk which I thought was was really fun. Yeah right it
0: uh no it's uh yeah it's it's fun on the weekend to have like more general discussions I think it's kind of fun. I think a bunch of our group members can make it but um the idea of this uh, room is twofold <laughs> of all the rooms is twofold that we have at science society. One is of course, explain what happened this week to our audience or club members um, but the other thing is to generate the recording that i don't have to edit too much because my idea is to make a summary version of um, all the guest speaker events we have throughout the week a uh, summarized version if people don't have time to listen for a long time uh, to our very long kind of podcast, and um, I thought first of editing it, and then I thought, oh, it's just faster to make a room, <laughs> summarize it, record it, and then post it as a podcast. So that's uh, twofold the idea of having these rooms. Uh, it's just easier, <laughs> and it's more fun also because we get to interact at the same time, and I don't sit by myself in front of the computer doing this. So.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. If you need me just to kind of be quiet or you need me to fill in little gaps or whatever. Yeah, always fill up. in.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's it's more fun if you fill in. So yeah, so the first room we had was about exogeology with Dr. Ash Salamat. This was a really fun room. Um I think we'll have a best speaker uh, award. <laughs> I I mean this week in general I I'm not sure if we can ever replicate the week we had uh this week was filled with amazing guest speakers so um yeah so Dr. Salamat, he um he does different research um usually he does superconducting uh, research and he did some major advancement breakthroughs there and he will talk about this End of May, I think it was twenty fourth of May, or so. He will come back. Uh, but this time I invited him um about his exogeology work, and uh what he does, and this he funds by himself with um, with his own funding that he generates through his uh small company he has. So, um, because that's like his fun work, and um, so what. What they did is, um, what they do is figuring out how different things like water uh, would look like on other planets and other different conditions and also look at all kinds of different properties of water. Like what is water and what is a metal was one of the very interesting discussions we had. So uh, what they um, do is uh, with a laser, they heat under different types of pressure also um, water in this case and um, and find um, different H-bond symmetries, transitions and um, have very interesting uh, observations also on the quantum level. And uh, the interesting thing is that water at some point turns into Almost like a metal and a superconductor, so um, it's a really interesting study. I recommend uh, reading the paper. I pinned it to the room here, and, um, and also his superconducting work is is really interesting. So I don't Amy, if you have something to add, please go ahead. No, nothing. Yeah, he is also he was a great guest speaker. So if you want to listen to, oh, go ahead.
1: Sorry, sorry about that. I, I had a, someone was pinging, and I had to click the dismiss before it let me click on <laughs> mute. Um, yeah, there was also remember he uh, mentioned the part about uh, what was it now hydrogen, the hydrogen atoms, and how they had to share the electrons to make it into metal or something like that, which was blowing my mind remember that
0: yeah 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 exactly so uh, it's, yeah so you took
1: it to, uh, and all the stuff with salt as well with sodium and um how it could um conduct um electricity and how it could because it become a metal am i remembering this correctly yeah
0: yeah it's so the question was in general what does a metal because just shiny and being con like, um have certain conductance uh, properties is really not enough. so even that is not really establish- established um, It was a amazing discussion so there is no fixed answer to what is a metal and a water. but it's it looks like under these conditions and water becomes uh, uh, gets these metal-like properties. Uh, and also becomes like shiny like a metal and uh, nice. yeah and also gives us insight how water could look like on different planets under different pressure and um and and heat so um yeah it's, it's amazing Absolutely
1: fascinating talk and anyone listening to this if you do have time absolutely highly recommend going back and listening to it absolutely
0: yeah and he's totally fun also and now we owe him a bunch of years. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a great talk at the end, yeah. <laughs>
0: so yeah, so uh, let me if you wanna say something, I'll just get the next link really quick.
1: Yeah, and um his discussions on uh the possibilities about finding um life on other planets and, and even, you know, what metal was and it, it blows your mind. It was redefining what I was thinking of metals um, and uh, what can be used uh, to conduct them. And yeah, highly recommend it. I'm, I'm trying to remember all the details, but I, I don't want to try and misquote them and then not do the man justice. But
0: yeah, yeah, and uh, the thing is that uh, water gets these superconductor uh, properties um, under dif- these different conditions, and um, and yeah, he did really a major breakthrough for in superconducting materials, and that's like how he finances this fun job. So, if you read about him, Ash Salamat, um, yeah, you will. Probably gets the the news about more about the superconductor work. So yeah, uh, and that's what. He's to, yeah, he's going to present that next time. He's coming end of May, so really looking forward. to it. So on Tuesday we had then uh, Dr. Lentz coming here. Um, uh, he Nathan Lenz, He's at the uh, New York um, John Jay College of New York City University. He is in forensics, basically, but um, uh, genetic forensics, and uh, he also does evolutionary work, like human evolutionary work. And uh, so it's a it's a very interesting combination. And he also wrote some books. Um, and uh publishes also like in psychology today and he has a the human evolution blog and um he uh looked at the evolution of the de novo human specific micro genes on chromosome 21 so he found uh, basically genes that uh, t- turn into um, families of microRNA genes um, that are only uh, found um, in humans. And um, this, this is quite interesting work from, from the technique, uh, how he sequences and looks finds these genes, but then also for the evolutionary, like what makes us human type of work, so it was a relatively short uh, room, but I think it was it was pretty interesting to go into, um, yeah, to go into his research.
1: And he was going into uh, his enthusiasm for the untapped potential he believed that mRNA had, yeah, and he was saying how uh, this could be indicating that the mRNA could actually affect and, and rewrite and uh, interact with the actual RNA, didn't he?
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I agree totally with him. That's why I think his work is. Re- so knowing about these different um, microRNA um, genes that produce this different microRNAs will, I think, help us in many ways. and. And there's a lot of other labs looking into that um, to find uh, ways to not just maybe find the medicine that like um, treats the symptoms but go really into the underlying uh, condition that is probably like also a gene expression problem and how micro RNAs are being expressed. So uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with him so. Yeah, but and this it, is a it's, nice, yeah, is a nice, also basic science approach, example that can lead then into trans translational application. So I think this is a really nice example of that.
1: Definitely, his talk was uh, largely bringing like awareness about the potential of this, but he did emphasize just how much more there is still to discover and the potential for what it could mean could be mind-blowing. So it's definitely worth anyone listening to this to keep an eye for anything that he might come out with in the future, because we're only just going to hear more from this. He said there's still so much to find out. So many questions.
0: Yeah, and he promised us to come back. Because, um, yeah, but he had a lot of fun. He wrote in the email he was surprisingly enjoying this. It because most of our speakers, except very few, are new to Clubhouse, and they are very weird out in the beginning. Audio only, and I can't go through the slides how I'm used to do. Like people are very hesitant. Like most people are very hesitant before they come, and then after it happens. <laughs> They usually write, oh, this was so much fun. Like even yesterday, Marco Patini, same thing. I was so critical about this because we had a bunch of phone calls before. I was very nervous about it and hesitant. And now I had so much fun. Let's keep in touch on Clubhouse. He, said. <laughs> he
1: was incredibly positive about the whole thing. He was he was brilliant, yeah. But we will totally get to Marco in a minute, right? What is, uh, is it Wednesday we're on then?
0: Uh yeah, so Wednesday. Let me get the link for Wednesday. There we go. <laughs> Sorry that um so taking. So for anyone,
1: <laughs> anyone looking to challenge themselves, try and figure out um, mRNA. It's one of those parts of biology that um, that you just, uh, oh, every time you think you know biology, you don't.
0: Hey, That's
1: you? just a good rule.
0: Denise is here. Hi, how are you? Hey, <laughs> Denise. Hi. Hi,
1: everyone.
2: Well, we what are, did I miss? What, what did we cover already?
0: Uh, Monday and Tuesday. So Dr. Salomat and uh, Lens, but you can we can still like there's no reason for you to come and like we had an amazing week like we had like really outstanding research so yeah please give your comments about dr salam the the text so geology room and then lens the the human evolution genetics room
2: let me uh let me get some notes because there has been so much happening that it's hard to keep track of everything without the notes. <laughs> Give me a moment. Uh, we can come back to, I and mean, we could just move forward and then I can integrate those back in later.
0: Oh, actually, I'm on the wrong day. I missed the carbon negative production. So uh, I'm sorry, guys. I have to go and share first another link. I'm really sorry. It's, it's, uh... No worries. I
1: do follow a lot happened this week, so much. Right.
0: So actually we had the carbon negative production of um, acetone isopropanol. Uh, this was one of the few guest speakers we had, we had one before that is actually working for a company and not in an academia. Um, and uh, her work is really, I mean, from a biology engineering, cell engineering perspective, it's amazing work. And also uh, then the whole production line and scaling up this technology to actually use it in the real world uh, and uh, capture. How many, how much did she say they already captured? Um, On
2: the order of, I think the number was 160 million What units let me see if I wrote that down?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's amazing. Uh, so what they do is a very large volume. Yeah Yeah, they collaborate with uh, farmers around the world um, and uh different um Yeah, they they are scaling up quite fast to collaborate with um, different companies uh, farmers to basically turn um they are waste basically into um into acetone and isopropanol by gas fermentation and it, they are doing it on the industrial scale i think they uh oh, they fueled a plane with this that flew uh for from where was it from asia to the i US? think it
2: was miami to heathrow or gatwick somewhere in the uk I...
0: oh okay, okay but there was a transcontinental flight or, or orlando is again. Really... Like, yeah,
2: trans uh, transocean that's uh that's far i i don't have the numbers but it's not a it's not a short flight
0: yeah so would it... they basically um made the fermentation process more efficient by engineering so first screen um, all the genes that are participating in this fermentation process um, of um, this microorganism and a Clostridium autoethanogenum. And um, so first they screened for the genes that are participating in this and then they started optimizing basically the genome in a way that uh, this process um, um, is more efficient basically. And it's a huge, like it's a, it was a huge effort. I mean, it's, it's very labor intensive to do this stuff. And uh, then they also engineered um, their process in a way to make it like to uh, scale it up. So if you look at the paper believe it's open source. If not, please let me know. I can send you the PDF um, uh, send you a link to my Google Drive and then you can lo- download it from there. Um, yeah and then they scaled up the process so they can continuously doing this. The good thing about this fermentation process is that this is not a bioreactor that you have to constantly exchange uh it's a continuous process this can go on and on forever uh almost <laughs> so um it's uh it's really interesting yeah the Den- news, Jamie, go ahead
1: would it be far fetched to say that what she's working on could potentially be world changing
0: yeah i I would agree,
2: yeah. I would i would not disagree with that my only um it was really interesting to hear all the the technical details right so they they did um like katarina went over at a high level but i'm gonna get a little deeper on it they there were four of 13 genes that they knocked out in these organisms to get to higher outputs of the substance that they wanted we didn't get into the genes that they knocked out or maybe they didn't i didn't catch it but um, the source of the organisms that they were, the clostridium that they were knocking out was actually rabbit poop, <laughs> which is, a, <laughs> which is an interesting fact. Um, they had, so I, I looked at the notes. It was 160,000 tons of CO2 that they were able to um, remove from being emitted in the, in the, during the process of production now obviously those are going to go right back into um, hydrocarbon fuel jets i'm looking forward to the electric jets that are coming out but in the meantime this is definitely very exciting they had um two factories in china in 2018 and they're planning to bring an additional five online in 2022 in this year um
1: and what- these the one, Denise, that was producing the ethanol. I remember she said she mentioned producing ethanol and that the factories could produce was it for ninety days, but in a, a push, they could do longer. Am I remembering that correctly?
2: Um, I think so. The mm, ethanol was with gas metabolism. This was, and this is a different, um, a different mechanism. Ah.
0: Yeah, so I think this this is a continuous process, so it doesn't have that limiting factor of like ninety days.
2: And she said that, like during, that um, yeah. during that during um, that cycle, there's also downtime because you have to decontaminate the the reactors. Versus with this process. Um, you don't have to do that until there's some sort of uh, failure in the in the process And then at that point you might have to decontaminate the entire thing before you start the reaction up again. In fact I'm, i It's hard to imagine that they wouldn't have to do that Yeah, but that but that's in a that's in a Outside of standard operating parameters situation and then the equation changes
1: And yeah, I don't
0: know. know Denise, if you wanted to add something to, doc like Ash room or um, Doctor Len's human evolutionary room? Well, I I'm I'm looking for the next link to pin. On
2: the did you say Doctor Salama also? Yeah, yeah. I, that was
0: mm-hmm.
2: um. So the that was a really interesting talk. Some of the Takeaways that I had were that um, <laughs> one something I wrote a note down said weak low and CO two I don't I, I really need to remember what that means, um, but it was really interesting to look at the curves uh, that were as part of his presentation. Um, it was very interesting to find that. Um, there are 18 different phases of water. That's something I did not know before I was exposed to this work. And let's see, what else?
0: And that we don't know what metal is and that water can, <laughs> can be a metal and be a superconductor. Those were cool. the more key points. Like those are, the, I think, the most important key points. That's, that's yeah, those are
2: definitely on the, on the list for sure. The other, <laughs> the other notion that was uh, introduced that I had not um, been exposed to in a long time was the quadrilateral pole gravitational fields on different planets. I don't think we specified where that was. Um, but yeah, but, uh, <laughs> like you can compress water so much that it become, that it has metallic properties. Like, think about that.
1: Wow! (laughs) I was trying to remember that fact a minute ago, Katerina, But I was my head was wasn't that compression of something crazy like um, three hundred thousand times or something really. really Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Of course, but um, but yeah, but still, that doing this to to basic things like water makes yeah, makes us learn, not that it happens like on our planet, uh, but it could be another planet. But to know what properties things could have under very different conditions is uh, it's pretty amazing.
1: Didn't he also say theoretically you could create like a bottle out of was it CO2 or something, uh, and if you put water in it, it would immediately turn it into carbonated water?
2: I think I do remember
1: something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I I can't remember if it was CO two, but you said you could take a, the substance and you could compress it to make it a bottle. So anything you put normal water in it, it would like push, um, push uh, you know the, the the carbonate in there and whatever it, the the effect was, and it turned it carbonated water just just by being in the bottle, which because I remember saying, I want one, I want one, where can I get this?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm he's a... It's not a commercial product yet.
0: Yeah, he, he's a great entertainer, like he's a great scientist, like very um, amazing and very successful scientist and at the same time, a great entertainer, I think.
1: Definitely.
2: Great, great. The, just to put some numbers on it, you are talking about the pressure, so I wrote it down. Um, Earth's pressure is 3.3 3 atmospheres. The sun is 1 billion atmospheres. Ooh. And these calculations were taking place between 40 and 120 atmospheres. So it, these are pressures that are, at least at the surface, um, a lot of these processes can happen in subsurfaces even though the temperatures and the experiments were not um, super cool they were about 80 fahrenheit which is about 27 ish celsius 300 kelvin for people who like the kelvin scale i like the kelvin scale um but i know that that's not everybody
0: yeah and then on if it's okay to to move on to the next one with everyone yeah we had dr sharon moraine from the uk she's um, a faculty um member of science and and engineering but also psychology and sports science um in, in cambridge uk and um i i really like her because she's also very broad um scientists like she says she's all over the place (laughs) and usually you know maybe just I identify more with them but um, yeah she she was presenting the work I posted on um, here as a link but uh, when you look um, at her profile she has like uh, she she spans um, a very broad area of research and um, yeah, she talked about how hoarding—the uh, history of how hoarding became classified as its own as its own disorder—which opened up uh, funding and um, a better research or a scientific approach to the um, hoarding disorder. And uh, she looked at comorbidity or um, <clears throat> how likely it is for people that have a ADHD to also have hoarding. And um, yeah, this paper talks about it. We talk more in general also about mental health. Um, but um, it's quite interesting. It's quite common for people that have ADHD disorders to also have hoarding disorder. And um, although most um Like The prevalence seems to be higher in women than men, but it could just be that, um, especially at the the people that come to the doctor with hoarding are at a more advanced age, although they say they always had issues with collecting too much and not being able to throw things away, but when they actually go to the doctor, it's quite uh, late in their life usually more women come but it could be just a social pressure type of thing because at that age most men don't really clean up after themselves like traditionally and uh, women do and then if a woman doesn't clean up her house it's a way bigger pressure for them to do something about it if they have a messy place basically but it's not just a messy place wording is when it actually hinders you from having a regular life like your bathroom is so full you cannot use it anymore your kitchen is so full of stuff that you can't use your kitchen anymore you have infestation because of this and you cannot have people your family over anymore so uh, it's only then considered as a disorder if it hinders basically your everyday life or if your quality of life uh, suffers from it so So the prevalence seemed to be more in women, but we are not sure if it actually is. And it definitely looks like that um, it's uh, it happens. Uh, The comorbidity of ADHD and hoarding seems to be. um, Yeah, this paper shows that there seems to be a link. And then we talked about um, why that is why what could the underlying mechanisms be if it could be linked to dopamine levels Um, then the emotional part about it that she also looked into in her work um, i think was interesting from a mechanism mechanism standpoint she to look into those questions she collaborates with people that also work with animals so i'm really looking forward to you know to the research that will maybe of her and her collaborators that will maybe explain more about those mechanisms so yeah if you have something to add go ahead
2: i i missed that talk so thanks for the summary i was interested a little bit more in so you said that they were they were comparing adhd and then hoarding is that right
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it's basically um,
2: a precursor, perhaps maybe predictive in some capacity.
0: Yeah, and um, the emotional aspect. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, she says there's more females than males. Also in the study, because just not too many males go to the doctor with hoarding disorder.
2: So this is probably a question for her, but I'd be interested if you had an answer. Uh, is there any correlation with hormonal cycles in the higher prevalence group?
0: Um, Yeah, that's interesting, but she, she didn't look into that. Also, you know, dopamine levels and things like that. She said, this is one of the first studies that looks systematically into this, but yes, She's collaborating with different people to study this in animal models like and and what the what the factors could be and what the maybe in the brain the, maybe there's a mechanism that is responsible for both um for a d h d and um and hoarding would be interesting
2: should be interesting to see if they are ever opportune to run genome analysis or if there's any potential predisposition there and perhaps you can um, use some methylation complex to modulate that gene expression. Um, Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, Um, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. The interesting thing is ADHD and autism spectrum disorders are more uh, supposed to be more uh, prevalent than male but this kind of also changing a little bit, um, those numbers, but in general, but then ADHD with hoarding together seems to be more prevalent and female. I think that's interesting. That points, I think, towards maybe a different mechanism that is eliciting, you know, maybe it's a hormonal thing, but maybe it's a completely different mechanism that leads in women to ADHD. If it's combined with hoarding versus in males, it could be a different mechanism that leads to ADHD. Or just that that factor combined maybe with hormonal changes. Um, But they claim they always had hoarding issues, just people just at a later stage in their life go to the doctor. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, it would be interesting uh, to do a similar study like what um, the researcher that came here that talked about Alzheimer's or dementia in females that was linked to the F- FSH hormone. Uh, it would be interesting to, that if she would use a similar approach in mice like um, to study this, I agree.
1: I'm afraid I missed that one, actually, as well. I, I do mean to go back and listen to it because it's really incredibly interesting. But even the thing you just said there, Katarina about the definition of what made it like a, a proper problem, like a disorder, was yes. the that very wobbly line of when it's actually getting in the way of your actual home life. So nobody out there who loves to collect spoons or DVD box sets needs to be worrying that they might be um, afflicted with this yet. Yeah, it's only strictly when something's like what debilitating to the point of home life, like you can't clean your house anymore, or you can't go into your bath, just like you said, that's very interesting. Like the, the line being drawn there, given the indication, right, that like, many, many people, to some extent, can, you might even call it sort of hoarding or just avid collectors, yeah. Right? But as long as it's not interfering with them socially, um, that's what makes it the disorder. I think that's interesting, psychologically.
0: Yeah, it's like with OCD and all these disorders, she gave a really great lecture like she gave a really good introduction of the field in general what makes basically a mental health disorder defined as an actual disorder that we all like of all these disorders ocd and so on we have kind of can all identify with aspects from them right um but um yeah she explained what what gets then defined as an actual disorder and so on so it's a really good like lecture for the field, like to introduce the field also, I think.
2: Fantastic, I'm definitely looking forward to to listening to that part because I definitely had questions about these metrics and sounds like they'll be answered rather easily.
0: so we are already like i don't think we need to discuss the the round table discussion about our news artificial creativity room um so now we are already at um dr marco Pettini. and this was another amazing room um so um let me get the link really quick Yeah, I'll post the bio archive link so everyone can access it. And he's a physicist from Italy, Florence, and is a professor at the Center of Physics in Marseille, and also at the Marseille University in Toulon. And um, he's a full professor of theoretical physics um, and he did a lot of contributions in the field, um, and also wrote the textbook. Uh, so, and um, his work was about the experimental evidence for long-distance electro-dynamic um, intermolecular forces. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so he he gave a PowerPoint slide presentation. If people want to look at it, uh, please reach out to me. I can share the link with you. And um, so um, he talked, he gave a very, um, very good general introduction of his field and why they asked the question. And um, basically he, um, he explained to us the hypothesis or um, the predictions, the model, um, they basically support um, that there is is a dipole, dipole, long-range electrodynamic intermolecular force. Uh, but they have never been experimentally observed. And um, they discovered, basically, this completely new and unanticipated forces acting between biomolecules that could have a considerable impact on our understanding of the dynamics and function of the molecular machines at uh, work in living um, organisms. So um, he used um, mostly uh, microscopy um, to, uh, and you can look into the paper if you want to have a deep dive or then Denise, maybe you want to go. So, um, but the, he looked into protein um, electrodynamic intermolecular forces. And the interesting or the takeaway is that by showing these forces, you kind of have now um, a model or you kind of have this um Experimentally shown way of how uh, proteins could interact with each other and maybe self-organize. Um, this is what basically the beginning of um, showing this um, is this paper. the, the he's on a uh, basically on a big collaboration collaborative work funded by the EU that will now look into in showing this maybe in vivo because right now they did this just on proteins and um, elicited um the they brought basically the macromolecules out of their equilibrium and uh, saw them having um equilibrium collective vibrations and um yeah if this If we can show this um, dynamic in the living cell, this could explain how proteins and biomolecules could have self-organized and could still self-organize in the cell because this is still not an answered question. How do, how does stuff, (laughs) biological stuff in the cytoplasm, in the cell organize itself? We don't know, like how does the the DNA and all these organelles and all the stuff that that um, is in the cytoplasm and turns into the cell, how does it organize? What is the force behind it? And this could be explained with it if we can experimentally show this in a living cell. So, yeah, please go ahead.
2: It's all physics. We just haven't been able to understand it yet, I th- think. The most exciting part for for me of that was to see the way that there were all sorts of questions that he had not considered yet and were exciting to him to hear uh, coming from you and Serena. And it was, it was really nice to, to see that level of, um, harmonic resonance. Basically, it was uh, it was a positive feedback loop in the best way possible.
0: Yeah, and and what I forgot to, about... to, to to mention really quick is that he also showed that with these forces, he find he could show this clustering of proteins, um, and uh, they did it first with. Uh, uh, numerical Monte Carlo computations and then could experimentally show this. That's why we are saying that, you know, this, these forces could explain um, how proteins and other biomolecules could organize themselves.
1: I was just going to um, comment on, um, it was exciting to hear how open he was to, like you said, Serena and everyone else's. Um ideas, and how much you know you felt he was so intelligent in covering something this complex, and yet he still was quite taken with other ideas and was open to them and it just it showed such an incredible flexible mind, right? And his story came from what was it was what was it, what was it Katharina? he began with a uh, a chalkboard and then moved like up to more complex stuff to the point he has his PhD, uh, students making his software for him. Didn't he say? Yeah. He, yeah. He, was... <laughs>
0: he used to do it all himself, but he says now that I'm all that the students do it for. Him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I love that. I mean, that's like such a, at every single level that's, that's a clever idea. <laughs> Get his PhD students doing software now. Yeah, uh, quite a quite a remarkable man all round. Yeah?
2: Absolutely. And very kind and very, very open minded. That's the, the part that I appreciate the most is the open mindedness of him and everyone else who is sharing the conversation.
0: Yeah, and that was our week. Uh, it was a really wonderful week. I mean, I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next week, so.
1: Stay tuned, there's a lot to come.
0: He is a researcher.
1: Yeah, we got a
2: recap because uh, the signal dropped on your side. We we lost you we lost you at basically the beginning of the of the the preview for the coming week. And now the mic is off. Okay, these are typical manifestations of connectivity issues. Hear me
0: now. Uh,
2: keep going. Testing, testing.
0: Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes, me. To- so
2: let's, uh, let's start from the beginning of preview for next week.
0: Okay, cool. Let's start with that. So Dr. Fu from, um, UC, uh, San Francisco, she's a sleep researcher many years, I think over 20 years, she said, and, um, she published recently a paper about elite, elite sleeper genes. Uh, that are found in uh, some families where you don't need actually a lot of sleep, but the quality of sleep is so good that uh, it protects from aging-related cognition cognition, uh, um, issues. So, um, and they have also, um, they are less prone to have mental health disorders. So, um, yeah, this will be a really interesting um, topic then we will have um the team from south uh, korea dr jim and et al who will talk about quantum charging to shorten ev charging so it's a great engineering team that will come to present on tuesday then on wednesday we'll have dr bonad potential supplement for longer human lifespan Um, He works with C. elegans, and um, it was a recent published paper um, that was in the news, and um, it will be really interesting. Then Dr. van Zundert, uh, it's in the morning at 9.30 a.m. She will talk about her ALS research that also was uh, published, um, and she found a specific exit. Excess of neurotoxin that is associated with ALS uh, we've been struggling for many many years with, uh, to figure out what triggers ALS um, so I think this um, study is really important and then we'll have on Friday the ex-utero mouse embryogenesis with dr. Alejandro Castrejon, and so he will Present about basically uh artificial womb, uh research, um, and he is joining us from Israel, so he will present at one pm EST. So, it will be another exciting week, and I'm really looking forward to. It.
1: As am I. A lot of interesting stuff coming up.
2: I'm certainly looking forward to the week ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay, thank you everyone for coming, taking, being part of the weekly recap recording. (laughs) And um, yeah, have a great rest of your Sunday. Um, And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you all again um, tomorrow. (laughs) It's already Monday, so yeah, bye.
1: Take care everybody, Ciao.
0: ciao. 3, 2, 1, bye!